Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Mic check, one, two, one, two. I am not a rapper. What's going on, guys? Today, we are going to dive into a training-only Q&A. I post it in the private Facebook group, which if you are not a part of, you should be because it's full of badass individuals who are constantly trying to learn more, educate themselves to be better, and really just grow in all aspects of life, not just muscle size, but with their heart and with their mind as well. Love that group, love the people involved, and the Q&A comment threads are always insane. That's the main place you can ask me questions, so um, just a quick shout out for them. I love all the people in the BBP private forum, and I say that on purpose because so many people add themselves into the wrong groups and they can't find it, so it's b.b.p, so abbreviated BBP private forum, but there's also a link in the description you can click on. Um, Join that group because I always post in there first for Q and A's, but you can also head over to the ask boom, boom forum, which is also, uh, or sorry, ask boom, boom form, which is also linked in the description of this show. Um, speaking of Mike check one, two, one, two, I just finally finished the hip hop evolution documentary. Wow. Unbelievable. If you have not, if you love hip hop, if you love music in general, I'm a huge fan of music. I was actually talking to Caroline about this the other day. My, uh, my, playlist is insane my recommended artist on spotify is just ridiculous um recently played let's see first i have chill pop essentials if you guys haven't heard chill hop sorry not chill pop chill hop essentials look that up a client introduced it to me and it's probably one of my favorite workflow um my favorite mixtape is the winter 2016 one but it's just it's just cool beats like it's I don't even know how to describe it I mean chill hop is a great way but cool beats that's what it is it's really really cool um so I got chill hop essentials then I got Tory Lanez which I've been really enjoying the new Tory Lanez album um and his new song forever uh Chris Stapleton is next love Chris Stapleton um I have Wiz Khalifa then I have Luke Combs then I have Oasis then I have Travis Scott (laughs) and then Nipsey Hussle uh, then I have Linkin Park and Pearl Jam. Uh, Blink-182 is after that. Nas is after that. Silverstein is after that. And then Outkast. That's my recent, it's like my top eight right now on Spotify. <laughs> it's out of this world. So I listen to a ton of different music, but um, I love music documentaries. And uh, Hip Hop Evolution was great. I watched through all the seasons really fast. So if you like hip hop, you like documentaries, go check that out. I also recommend um, the one with Dr. Dre. Uh, it's on HBO, I, I believe, and it is called The Defiant Ones. Check out The Defiant Ones. It's with him and Jimmy Alvin, um, who is, uh, I didn't realize, produced so many damn people, rap artists, uh, pop artists, 
rock and roll legends. Like, it's just insane. Um, I, I think because I said, and this is how you guys know this podcast is so candid. I said, Mike check one, two, one, two, and I didn't plan on doing that, but I started the podcast and that's what came out. And it made me think of hip hop evolution, which I just finished. Um, so speaking of which I actually will shout out a couple recommendations. Uh, I need your guys' help with a few things now that I think about it. The first one being documentaries. If there's a good documentaries, no change. Uh, the game changers does not count. Um, what the hell does not count. I don't want to watch any health or nutrition or fitness documentaries that aren't uh, real life applicable or extremely educational and not biased to anything. I did recently watch the West Side Barbell one. Um, not extremely uh, applicable or educational, but it's cool to see just because I'm, I'm a big fan of West Side Barbell and the conjugate method and all that stuff. And I know some people who train there. So I, I did enjoy that, but it, I wouldn't say it's applicable or educational. Um, definitely not kid appropriate. So don't play it with your kids around. But I watched that. So if you guys have any documentary recommendations, please send them my way. Um, shoot me an email, Cody at Boom Boom Performance. I want to know. The second thing um, would be recommendations for equipment in the facility. So if you were a gym owner or an owner of any type of training space, you have a garage gym or anything, or you went to a gym and you used a piece of equipment that you just thought was unbelievably cool, um, please let me know. Cody at Boom Boom Foreman, shoot me an email. Tell me your favorite piece of equipment that I need to get in the gym. I'm trying to make sure that, you know, it, it's not the hugest space in the world. We have quite a bit of space. It's more than enough space for what we're doing, but it's not like a global gym. So I have to be uh, very spacious and I have to be smart with how I'm placing equipment in there. And a lot of it's going to be functional. I'm not out here buying, like, don't send me a message with uh, some big, crazy leg press machine. I'm not doing that. Most of it's going to be functional. So a, a guarantee is a squat rack, a yoke rack, barbells, dumbbells, bench, um, benches, uh, rings, stuff like that is obvious. But if you have anything that you feel is really necessary or that I should look into, even like small things like specific bands or specific platforms allow you to do speed deadlifts, which is something I do want to get, um, specific grips or handles, please shoot me a message. I want to get some cool stuff in there for when the gym opens, which is going to be next month. We're going to get in there December 1st, um, the facility. So I really want to make sure that I have a list of things that we can get in there within that first time period. So please let me know. And then the last thing is books. I'm always looking for books. I just finished Stillness is the Key. I'm running through The Hungry Brain, both which are amazing. I just got in the mail Change Maker by John Berardi. That is going to be my um, – I'm recording this a week in advance. So I am jumping on a plane and heading to the RP Summit tomorrow. And this is probably going to be the book that I dive through on the plane. I always bring a book, one book with me and I try to get through it and – by the looks of it, it just looks unbelievable. And knowing John Berardi, he's a beast. He's he's somebody I really have always looked up to and kind of have uh, tried to follow in his footsteps because he's done things the right way for so long. Um, he's just a very, very positive and inspirational person. So I'm going to be reading that, Change Maker, but I'm going to need to come home and get a new book. So if you have any book recommendations for me, Cody at Boom Boom Formats, please shoot me an email. I want to know what equipment to get and I want to know the best book to get. Um, and those are that's how we're starting the podcast today. <laughs> documentaries, equipment, and books. Let me know your recommendations. And I will add in there too. If you shoot me an email and you give me a recommendation on one of these things, give me a guest you want to hear on the podcast too. I got a list of people that I'm, we're trying to reach out to and get on the show. Um, uh, a few of them are authors of different books I've read over the years. A few of them are people I've heard on other podcasts, so on and so forth. But 
if you have any specific guests that you would love to hear on the show that you know would have a good conversation with me, please add that in there. So give me a book recommendation, give me an equipment recommendation, or give me a documentary recommendation, and give me a PS with a guest recommendation. I want to talk to you guys because you are the listeners and I create this podcast for you. Now, with all that being said, let's get into this Q&A. This is all training questions. Um, We don't have a ton, but they're all specific to training, which I think is going to be really cool. So the first one is Stephanie Carter, full-time working mom here who uses her garage gym to work out at 4 a.m. five days a week, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. What would be the best split if I only have 45 minutes to an hour each morning in limited equipment? Don't currently have a squat rack, but I have dumbbells, bands, power tower for pull-ups and dips, bench with leg extensions, barbell with weights. I want to maximize my time to produce quality workouts over quantity. Love it. Um, I would do an upper-lower split without a doubt. Knowing you only have 45 minutes to an hour, you could do a full-body program. Um, I just think that – you know, I, th- I think the thing too is, is like what's your goal? You know what I mean? Um Oh, you said five days a week, Thursday through Saturday. Ah, so yeah, I probably would do a split. I would do uh, upper, lower, push, pull legs. If I have five days a week with damn near anybody, I'm probably going to do an upper, lower, push, pull legs. The only caveat here I would say is if you were a brand new lifter and your sole goal was fat loss, I would probably say I would do like three full body sessions and two metabolic conditioning sessions. So not even all five lifting days. However, because you're you're not really giving me much info on that, you're just saying you have four days a week, you have equipment in a garage gym setup. I'm guessing your goal is strength and hypertrophy. Even if you wanted to get leaner, your your main goal is probably gonna be to build muscle and strength. So because of that, I'm probably going with an upper lower push pull leg. So the first upper lower is just gonna be obviously all upper and then all lower. Um, I do like it in that order as well, upper, lower, push, pull legs. Um, I find it's easier on your low back when you split it up that way because of the way you're distributing your squats and deadlifts throughout the week. So that being said, um, upper body day would probably be, I would start with some uh, upper body mobility, then I would go into a explosive upper body lift. I'm a big fan of the dumbbell snatch. I think it's just... I like throws and slams as well. So if you have med balls or if, but the problem with those is if you don't have a wall, if you're not really tall and you can have a lot of distance in a bent over row, which it's, it's, it really doesn't matter. Now that I think about it because it's relative. You're, if you're really tall, yeah, you're further from the ground when doing a bent over throw, but you're also have longer limbs. So it's still not that much distance. But anyway, um, I would probably go with a wall throw. So if you have a wall, you can throw a med ball into as hard as you can. That's always really fun and really explosive and good. Um, if not, like a plyo push-up works. If not, a slam works. If you're more advanced, I really do like a dumbbell snatch. It's just an, a, f- a total body explosive, um, and it's easy to progress. So you need to be explosive to get it right, but you also need to build neurological strength to be able to progress in it. Um, versus a throw, it's very hard. It's not that you can't progress and become more explosive with a throw. And a, a throw and a slam is very safe. So it's a good way to be explosive, train the nervous system without going overboard um, or harming your joints or getting injury risk or anything like that. However, the hard part is is you can't really progress um, with that very easily. You, it's hard to progressively overload a med ball. And even when you do, it just messes up your form because you're throwing it. Um, and you're not going to be as explosive. So I, I find doing like very light, like, so like eight pounds, even for a huge guy, I'd rather you have a lighter weight and be very explosive. But with the dumbbell snatch, it's kind of nice because you can progressively overload it. Um, and it's still relatively safe. It's not a barbell snatch. So I would go with the dumbbell snatch. Then I would move to a barbell floor press since you don't have squat rack. 
um, and then I would go to a barbell pendlay row. So I wouldn't superset these because you're going to be probably pressing more weight than you can row in a bent position. Um, and that's not always true, actually. As a female, you might be doing pretty equal. So you could superset it if you wanted to. Uh, but either way, I would do a horizontal push and pull. And since you don't have squat rack, I'm probably going to go with a bench press, a floor press, and a uh, pendlay row. Both are probably going to be in like the four to six set range for like four to six reps. So you might start with four by six, and then week two is five by five. Week three is six by four. Week four is a deload, and then you restart. So just a classic linear strength progression. Um, your accessory movement is probably going to be a half kneeling landmine press. Uh, I like that more than a vertical press. However, if you have great shoulder mobility and you do want to build your shoulders, you could do a single arm neutral grip dumbbell overhead press. I would superset that with a pull-up. Uh, and if you can't crank out weighted pull-ups, I prefer cluster sets. So instead of trying to max out reps, I'm a big fan of doing clusters. So basically stopping one rep sh shy of failure and doing three mini sets. So you might go three reps, rest 10 seconds, three reps, rest 10 seconds, two reps. And then next week you go three, three, three. The week after that you go four, three, three, four, four, three, right? You're just trying to overall progress your volume until you can get to a point where you can do weighted chin-ups. Um, and then I would probably finish with uh, some upper back just blasting your upper back to me honestly probably like 100 band pull parts for example um or even just 50 3d band pull parts which is the finisher on the program i am running build and perform i'm sorry perform and build which is a new program inside the boom boom elite which we are running through true coach and i'm a week ahead of everybody so i'm kind of like the guinea pig as people go through the program it's a four day we a week split upper lower brutal the the 50 band pull parts as fast as you can at the end of the second upper body day of the week destroyed me um, it doesn't seem like much but it just killed me and the combination of things leading up to it just destroyed me so i would probably add something like that and maybe like curls so like let's say uh 50 dumbbell hammer curls and then uh 50 band pull parts 3d band pull parts where you do a front raise and the band pull parts so you're kind of smashing some like and you can even do band curls too to keep the joints happy with you but now you've gone like explosive, heavy strength, some strength-based accessory work, um, and then just some like lactic threshold metabolite work at the end. Um, for your leg day, for your lower body day, the next day, this is going to be another max effort day. I would probably go with a deadlift since you don't have a squat rack, and it's going to be very hard to get that bar on your back or in a front rack position going heavy enough to squat. So you might be able to clean it up there, but is that heavy enough, right, uh, for the squat? Um, heavy clean isn't always a heavy squat. Um, and I, I just, I would rather you do a heavy deadlift. So you're going to go with a heavy sumo or conventional deadlift elevated on plates. I do prefer this just because it's a little bit less range of motion. Even if you're just elevating on like 25 pound bumpers, it just gives you that extra inch, keeps your low back healthy and allows us to go heavy. It's a max effort day. I want to go heavy. I want to load it up, but you're going to start with, um, some hamstring calf and, uh, anti-rotation work. So with this, you're, you're bringing blood flow into the hamstrings and you're practicing knee flexion. Um, so doing like a leg curl on a hamstring, uh, Swiss ball hamstring curl, single leg hip thrust, TRX leg curl, anything that is a gliding leg curl, anything that is a hamstring curl, going to build up your glutes and your hamstrings while practicing knee flexion. Then you're going to do body weight calf raises 
emphasizing not load, but range of motion. So calf raises prior to squats um, have shown to be helpful for uh, dorsiflexion in the ankles. And I know we're doing deadlifts, but I still find it very beneficial. And actually, you know what? Now that I go back, I would probably switch the leg curl. Um, I would switch the leg curl to a glute dominant movement. You're still going to get some blood flow in your uh, hamstrings, but because we're heavy deadlifting, I want to create more tension in the glutes and I want to practice hip hinging. So we're probably going to go with a bodyweight hip thrust um, or a glute bridge with a mini band around your knees to create, which is probably my favorite if we're in a garage setting because we're practicing hip extension, we're bridging and we're creating a lot of tension in glutes because we're bridging and we're creating external rotation by having to pry apart that band doing hip abduction. Then you're going to do some kind of side plank. Side plank, uh, pow-off press, uh, something along those lines. You could even throw in the McGill Big 3. That's something I use a lot. But really what we're doing is we're doing anti-rotation, which is going to create trunk stiffness. This is going to help keep your low back healthy, and it's actually going to help you create more external rotation in your hip while you deadlift. So you're just going to have a stronger deadlift, and you're going to have a stronger squat if you do some kind of anti-rotation or trunk stiffness prior to deadlifting or squatting. So now we've done the bridge, we've done the um, calf raises, and we have done the side plank and or power press. Then we're going to move into a heavy deadlift in the same exact rep set scheme as we did with the um, floor press this week. Um, after that, we're going to go into a heavy single leg quad dominant movement. So you're probably going to do like a uh, dumbbell split squat. You could do a dumbbell Bulgarian split squat, for example, for six per side with a pause at the bottom, about four sets. Um, we are going to superset that with something for your core. So like a weighted plank because it's a max effort day. And then we're going to finish with some kind of direct hamstring glute and, uh, ab finisher, right? So this could be like high rep hamstring curls. It could be high rep, uh, or high tension RDLs. So you're not really going high rep, but maybe you're doing like one and a half rep RDLs, um, single leg RDLs, anything to build a lot of tension, um, and stress in the hamstring. Um, we're going to do some kind of glute dominant. So maybe like high rep line clamshells with a band or, or hip abduction with the band. So just like we did with the band pull parts on the Monday. Um, and then we're going to finish with some kind of core. So like high rep weighted sit-ups or hanging knee raises, for example, just hypertrophy for your abs. So that's like the two first days. I know I'm going in massive detail. We're going to take a rest day on Wednesday and then we're going to do a push pull leg. So I'm not going to break down the entire push pull legs. Otherwise this whole podcast would be programming a workout for you. Um, but push pull legs is going to be literally just that. So the push day, you're going to do all uh, chest, shoulders, triceps, uh, pull, you're going to do all, uh, traps, rhomboids, mid back. So like mid, mid, low traps, and then lats. Um, and maybe I wouldn't do any spinal erectors, um, no back extensions, anything like that. And then you're going to do legs the final day. So you're probably going to have a high rep squat on this day. Um, you're definitely gonna do hamstring curls, the side plank calf raises before that as well. And then accessory work is going to be hitting everything. So this is where you're going to use the leg extension. You're going to use the lying leg curl that you have. You're going to use the uh, some more glute dominant stuff, probably some high rep hip thrusts in there, um, and then high rep ab training at the end, maybe some carries. That's how I would break down your workout um, every week. Whew, I got to drink some coffee after that one. Damn. We're 18 minutes in, so I think I just spent 15 minutes breaking down your workout for you, Stephanie. You're welcome. I, I was honestly wasn't planning to go that long, but that was a really good answer. And you can literally, I would, I talk really fast, so rewind and write that workout down because those that was actually a really good session. Um, or you could just join the Boom Boom Elite because we have a upper lower push pull legs that's programmed out in that fashion that you could do in your garage um, in the in the membership site. So Tiffany Rosenblum Wurzalinski, whoa, you are trying to butcher me up here. Well done, Tiff. 
if you're on a training program, four days, upper, lower split, and your goal reps are 12 reps in weeks past and you were stuck getting 12 reps for all three sets, say 12, 10, 8, etc., how long do you keep trying before you give up and reduce the weight so you can get the reps? Some exercises like standing overhead, dumbbell press. It seems like I've been stuck with 15-pound dumbbells forever and can never get three sets of 12. Note, I do bench press before overhead press, so it's probably impacting my shoulder strength. But what can I do if I'm never able to overhead overload an exercise? Edit. I'm on maintenance right now, but looking back at my training history, I have most I've ever pressed a 17.5 dumbbells at the end of a month of a six-month bulk. So I would, uh, so I would say a couple things. Number one, I would try changing it up. So like I would go like this is an easy one. One, so you should probably be hitting your shoulders and your chest twice a week because you're doing upper lower split. On one of those days, you should do the bench press before the shoulder press. On one of those days, you should do the shoulder press before the bench press. That way, you can truly test your strength without fatiguing your shoulders, especially your anterior delts because those will get fatigued on a bench press prior to overhead pressing. So if you do it this way, you're, you're walking into your overhead press fresh. Excuse me. The other way you could do this is you could actually – wait four weeks. So let's say you go through a full program of doing bench before overhead press and then your next four week block that you enter, you switch that up. So now you're always doing shoulders before chest because you want to focus on that. The other piece of this is, is change up your rep range. So if you only train in that 12 rep range, you're only going to you're going to get good, quote unquote, in that that rep range, but eventually you're going to tap out. Your body's going to adapt. You're going to need a new stimulus. That's why a linear approach works best. So week one, you might do 12. Week two, you might do 11. Week three, you might do 10. Week four, you might do nine. Week five, you might do eight. And then you deload and then you come back to 12. And guess what? You're stronger because every time you dropped a rep, you added load. And over the weeks, you've decreased volume while increasing intensity. Because remember, if you're staying in 12, 13, 14, 15 high reps, that's high volume. And if you're trying to push intensity, you're having some kind of discrepancy here because we can't linearly progress or increase the intensity and the volume together. There are two separate modalities that we have to focus on separately. So what I would suggest to you is work on lowering volume while increasing intensity, which is load. Um, When you do that, you build overall strength and you're going to be able to work heavier in that 12 rep zone. The other thing is, is just try doing some shoulder work before the chest. Um, and then the last thing I would say is you probably need to work on different exercises. So if you were trying to do a standing overhead dumbbell press and you're stuck at that, that weight, try doing a high incline dumbbell press, try doing, um, uh, adding some volume on your rear delts, try adding some volume on your side delts, Try uh, doing a single arm overhead press where you can support yourself with your other hand on a rack. Try doing a landmine press. Like there's so many different variations. Try adding more. So like, for example, if you if you struggle with the very top lockout, try doing some tricep strength. Triceps help extend the elbow. Try, but building your tricep strength is going to help you finish the rep on a bench press or an overhead press. So there's many little things you can do, but it, it really comes down to creating variation within your exercise selection, um, which usually comes down to first assessing where the weak point actually is. And the other piece of that is, is you need to linearly change your intensity and volume through your programming across weeks. So even if you're not following a boring linear approach, like maybe you have some daily undulated periodization, so on and so forth, there should be some kind of variety or undulation inside your reps week to week that allows you to change the stimulus you're providing with the load and the volume essentially. 
So I hope that makes sense, but it's really hard to say. Um, the biggest thing I would say is you need some kind of change in your program. And, and for you, like if you're really serious about this and you want to get strength, buy a program, buy one of our programs, buy one of the Mind Pump programs, buy a Joe DeFranco program, join the elite, do something. Um, I, I see a lot of people who are stuck with their programming and they don't know why, but they're afraid to outsource. Like that's, to me, that's like me, try, my toilet is broken right now and I'm trying so hard to figure it out and I keep banging shit around like I'm Zoolander with a computer and it's not getting fixed. So instead of me banging shit around and trying to fix this toilet, I'm just going to hire a plumber because I don't plumb. I train people, right? So Zoolander should have hired a technician, which he probably couldn't have because in that scene he was like sneaking up there, but that's <laughs> side tangent. Uh, my point being is if you're listening to this and you're struggling with your program or you're stuck at a big rut or a big plateau, hire somebody to do your programming. It's the best thing you can do to progress your results. Christina Johnson Williams, favorite muscle building finishers for each split or muscle group. Ooh, I like this one. Okay. Let me let me uh, get a list of all the muscle groups and then I'll go one by one. All right. All right, so we're going to start with the uh, – I'm not going to do rhomboids because it's such a small muscle group. Uh, traps. My favorite trap finisher. I actually really enjoy um, – I'm not a big fan of shrugs as a finisher because your grip is the limiting factor. So before my traps fatigue, my, my grip fatigues. Um, I am a – for a finisher, I'm a big fan of probably long-distance carries. Um, I like doing a 26 to 35 pound kettlebell and holding them in a good posture position. So like really kind of honestly like elevating my scapula. So shrugging up and then retracting. So pulling back and like just having a really solid braced position of my upper back and walking for three minutes straight. So you could also do this with a mile. So you could actually go to a track and I've done it there too. And you just walk a mile, set them down, walk them out without, walk them out with, walk them out without. And you're, you're walking without as your rest period. And you can rest for less time. You don't have to walk on the rest. You can just rest for a minute. But I like doing uh, three minutes on, one minute off of long distance farmer's walks with a lighter kettlebell. By minute two, your traps are such, they're just burning. So I would either go with that or I would go with very high rep band work. So I really like doing like, like I'm talking like as many reps as possible in as short a period of time as possible for 3D band pull-aparts or face pulls. Um, or a band giant set's a good one too. 10 band pull-aparts, 10 band face pulls, 10 over and backs. Um, but even that doesn't burn you out always. So I, I'm a big fan of like just basically doing like a uh, kind of like a mechanical drop set with bands. So for example, a 3D band pull-apart is harder than a face pull is harder than a band pull-apart. So you could start with a 3D band pull-apart for as many reps you can, then move to a band face pull for as many reps you can, and then finish with a band pull-apart for as many reps you can. So I would either go with a band complex like that where you're just cranking out volume or I would go with a long-distance farmer's walk. Delts, so shoulders. Um, I am going to go with the Shoulder Shocker the by Joe DeFranco. Shoulder Shocker is probably the best delt finisher that I've ever done. And when I say finisher, it's not the best delt exercise. None of these are the best blank exercises. They're the best finisher. They're the best way to basically increase volume, overload the muscle, kind of create that pump, that burnout feeling um, without like taking things to failure essentially without 
having any joint issues or having any pain or having any injury risk, right? So the, the shoulder shocker is um, seven reps each. So you start with alternating lateral raises. So you do a lateral raise and then you alternate sides while isolating one. So one arm stays up in an isolation hold of the uh, lateral raise while you're alternating the other. Seven per side, 14 total. Then you go to, um, I want to say they're called poliquin raises. But basically, uh, with your elbows bent in a 90 degree angle, you do a lateral raise. So I bring my elbows up with my hands bent, or my elbows bent. So almost like I'm doing a lateral raise with my elbows bent, bent elbow lateral raise. It's almost like you're doing it on a machine. So those machines where you grab the grip and your elbows are in flexion and then you're doing lateral raises, leading with your elbow, same exact idea, but you have dumbbells in your hands still. So you haven't let go of the dumbbells yet. Bring your elbows up, extend your arms outwards, and by this time, you're, you're like in a crucifix. Your arms are locked out at your sides, and you're basically at the top of a normal lateral raise, and then you control down as slowly as you possibly can. And then after that, you finish with as many reps as you can on a Cuban press. So a Cuban press is like a uh, high elbow shrug to a external rotation, and now you're in a like uh, military press position, and then you press overhead. Um, so you can look up a Cuban press. I believe it's alternating lateral raises followed by poliquin raises followed by Cuban press. You can also look up shoulder shocker and Joe DeFranco will pop up on YouTube. Unbelievable finisher. Um, it just burns out your deltoids and you only need like a 10 pound dumbbell. So I love that one. The pecs, chest muscles. Um, I am going to go with, hmm. I am a big fan of, High rep push-ups. I think they're just safe to go to failure with. I love dumbbell squeeze presses if we're talking about like getting a massive pump. But I, I really do just love just I just love push-ups because they're very safe. Like worst case, you just drop to floor. It's very hard to get injured on a push-up. And you can do a lot of volume with them and you can keep doing volume with them safely. So I like doing those. I'll still do those this day. Actually, on that program I was talking about, um, Perform and Build, the new one inside the Elite, that has a push-up finisher that accumulates volume over the weeks. And I think this week was 50 reps as fast as possible. And I like doing them in a deficit style. So hands-on, like 45-pound bumper plates. You don't have to get your chest all the way to the floor, but the goal is to go a little bit past parallel so you get a little bit of a stretch at the bottom of each push-up. And you're just basically it's 50 reps as fast as you can. Um, but you can also set a timer. So I've done it ways where it's like you set a two-minute timer and you just do as many as you can. I like a rep count because then you can build that over time. So it's 50 reps as fast as you can and you time that and then you build it up over time. That's probably my favorite one, full range of motion. Um, it gets a big stretch, big contraction. I, I have a really good mind-muscle connection with push-ups in general and it's a really safe one. So I'm probably going to go with that. Lats. You know, I've never really done a lat finisher. But... I would probably go with, I really like either myo reps or like a, uh, uh, an assisted load drop set on a lap pull down. So basically they actually make these things where they're really cool. You put, I saw John Meadows using them. You put these pins in the cable machine, but they're designed to pop out once you, once you clap them. So basically imagine you're doing 
eight reps with a heavy load and a lat pull down. All and when you're done with those, you let the weight the plates stack actually touch the plate stack below it and it shoots out the pin. And then you keep going. So every time it shoots out the pin, there's another pin above it and you keep going. So you might start with two hundred pounds and then it hits and you go one fifty and then it hits and you go hundred, then you go fifty. So I really like an, a lat pull down machine, uh, wide grip, and I just love doing drop sets on it. Honestly it's probably my favorite thing. Um, I would probably pick that over anything else. I haven't done many lat finishers though. I've done that with a T-bar row as well, but that's still kind of like upper mid back is two. So for lats, I'd probably go with a, uh, just a accumulating drop set. So start with as heavy as I can for like six to 10 reps and then drop the load by 25% and just keep doing as many as I can. And you can do mile reps with that too, but I just feel like the drop set's more intense and, and with a finisher, it's gotta be intense. Biceps and triceps. Triceps, without a doubt, I'm going triceps of death. That's my favorite one, without a doubt. And that's where you go close grip bench, and uh, you have uh, four or five boards, so two by fours on your chest, and you have to have a partner for this. And uh, I go to the boards for as – so I'm sorry. You start with one board. It's full range of motion bench press, close grip. You do as many reps as you can. Once you're done, they put another board. Now you have two boards many as you can then they put third board fourth board fifth board so you basically go until you're just doing quarter reps at the top uh, but you accumulate 20 30 40 reps and your triceps are just destroyed so without a doubt triceps of death is my favorite one i mean hence the name uh, is my favorite for triceps for biceps i am going to go with i took this from john meadows i like doing um and this is actually i tweaked it a little bit for myself i got the quarter reps from him but i think i like the incline dumbbell hammer curl uh, because it is uh, in your shoulder when your shoulders are in extension because you're on an incline bench and you're in a hammer curl and you actually can rotate into a slightly pronated position at the bottom. You take your biceps through the fully stretched position, which is hard to do in a bicep uh, curl in general. So this actually allows you to get truly full range of motion. Um, so I would go as many reps as I can on that and then stand up and then do um, as many reps as I can standing because I have a little bit more momentum and then I go as many reps as I can quarter reps. So literally just the bottom portion of a rep, which seems like nothing and it looks funny as hell because you're literally barely moving the dumbbells, but the pump and the tension that you accumulate inside of your biceps during those final quarter reps is just absolutely brutal. Um, so I really enjoy that. The other one I would say, it's a hard toss-up, is uh, running the rack. This is just, it holds good memories for me because I used to do it uh, back in the day. And you basically start with like your six to eight rep max. So you find dumbbells that you can curl for six to eight reps. Maybe you're doing hammer curls. I usually alternate variations as I go. But let's say I'm doing alternating cross-body hammer curls, which I love those. And I'm doing 40, rep, 40 pounds, six per side. Then I go to 35 pounds and I'm doing bilateral hammer curls uh, for as many as I can. Then I go to 30. Then I do supinated curls. Um, then I go to 25. And then I go to a different type of curls. And then I go 20. And then 15. And then 10. And then 5. So you literally go from as heavy as you can with a little bit of momentum to the lightest dumbbell on the rack. And you just keep dropping down as you go, getting as many reps as you can. Running the rack is just a fun one to do with your friends, especially if you're alternating. Um, another good one to do with a partner is uh, a ladder. So you literally take a, a normal size barbell or dumbbell curl, so nothing extreme, but I do one full range of motion rep, set it down, he does one rep, I do two, he does two, I do three, he does three, I do four, he does four. It seems like nothing in the first few rounds are like pathetic, but as you accumulate volume, it's it's pretty brutal, and you can go to 10 or 15. Forearm muscles, I'm going to say carries, I'm not going to do that one just because I don't directly train my forearms much, but I would go with carries for sure. Um, abs, ooh, abs is tough. 
I don't know. That's that's a really hard one. I would say we used to do an ab finisher that was like ten per side sprinter setups, ten per side V sits, um, and then ten per side or ten toe touches or something like that. But I think like honestly, like I would say the V sit challenge. V sit challenge is three minutes on the clock, as many V sits as you can get in three minutes. Um, that's a really good one because it's fun and it's kind of like the push-up one I mentioned. You have a time and you have a number that you're trying to beat. So I would probably go with the Visa Challenge. I got that one from Martin Rooney. Uh, glutes. Uh, I would go with the uh, same exact concept as the uh, lap pull-down drop set but with hip thrust. So you go heavy load for eight. As soon as you can't anymore, you, you bring it down. So what you do with this one is you load it with a bunch of 25. So you do like one big 25-pound bumper or – 45 if you can, but ideally a 25 pound bumper and then a bunch of metal 25 bumpers. So as many as you can for like six to eight reps. So you do six to eight reps, bring it to the floor, your partners on the sides, peel 25 off, you do more, peel 25 off, do more, peel 25 off. You keep going until you're on your last 25 pound plate and you max out. That one's brutal. I really like that. And it's just a long duration, high volume drop set. Um, and that would definitely be my favorite for the glute. For hamstrings, I'm going with, uh, probably again it's a drop set either a drop set lying leg curl or like a swiss ball triple threat which is something i programmed lead there's a youtube video of me doing it on on youtube you can type in swiss ball triple threat and it's basically 10 uh hamstring curls and then 10 bent knee hip thrust on the ball and then 10 straight leg hip thrust so you're just basically accumulating volume and what you can do with that is you can go as many as you can lying leg or hamstring or sorry swiss ball hamstring curls as many as you can bent knee and then as many as you can uh straight leg hip thrust and what you're doing is you're limiting your range of motion so you can accumulate more volume even after you you max out on each one so it's kind of like a uh, mechanical drop set for uh incline bench press which is another good one for chest actually start with an incline press for eight to 10 reps. And then as you fatigue, they, uh, your partner drops the incline down one, you come back down, do more drops, the incline down one, you do more, you do that until you're doing a flat bench or even a decline if the bench can go that low. Um, and essentially as you change the angle of your torso by dropping the incline of the bench, you essentially can do more volume with that same load because the angle is more favorable for you to be able to perform. So an incline press is harder than a flat or a decline. So this is the same exact concept with the hamstring curl, bent knee hip thrust, and then straight leg hip thrust. You're limiting the range of motion as you go, um, and you're changing the angle. Therefore, you're allowing more volume with the same tension or load. So I think that's it. I think that's all the muscles. Um, quads, actually, I didn't do. Quads is the only one I didn't do. Quads, I would go with a leg matrix. Um, I actually did that yesterday as part of uh, this program in the Elite. Again, I'm talking about this program a lot. It's an amazing program, guys, <laughs> But um, and because I'm running it right now. But um, I just started it this week. And the leg matrix is always a good one. Um, it's hard to progress as you go, but you basically just try to finish it in less time, and then you eventually add a weight vest. But it's 24 air squats, 24 lunges, 24 jump squats, 24 jumping lunges, so 12 per side on lunges. And it's just brutal. Like, it just talk, talk about accumulating fatigue in your quads. Like, Jesus Christ. It's bad. Carmen Spitzer. Too much cardio can actually hamper your muscle gain by slowing recovery and burning up calories. Okay. But lower, slower aerobic exercise can help with recovery, can reset the central nervous system, and can increase hunger so you can eat more calories. When, pre or post, strength slash other days, 
How often and which type of cardio do you suggest for supplementing your strength work? Does this also somehow apply to CrossFit style high intensity training? Um, so there's a few things here. Um, number one, if you're doing, I think it's a little bit of a difference if you're doing just general strength training versus CrossFit. So when I think of just general strength training, I'm thinking of like power building. There is like some power lifting involved and then there's like some bodybuilding accessory work. It's similar to how I, I structure a lot of my programming, um, how a lot of people do. Um, that I would say is different than CrossFit. CrossFit is much more high intensity. And because of that, I'm a fan of going very low, slow uh, aerobic exercise to promote better recovery um, and or calorie expenditure if that's your goal during CrossFit because it's kind of the yin to the yang, right? Uh, too much high intensity intervals, which CrossFit is completely high intensity, is just going to burn out your nervous system. So I think adding some low intensity is going to be better. But also, I find that it's a different energy system. So if you're using the same energy system over and over and over and over again, your body will adapt and you actually will see more favorable results if you change that. That's why I prefer to have an undulation of my cardio. So every other week is kind of changing the modality slightly. So we will shift between high intensity to moderate intensity to low intensity back to high intensity, so on and so forth, and kind of build up all your energy systems versus just one. Um, now, you said when, pre and post strength other days. I would probably go other days uh, before I do on the same day, always. Um, the only time I'm doing on the same days is if it's a high intensity interval because most strength training is closest to high intensity when we look at the metabolic energy systems. Therefore, I'm not going to put it on a different day because I think that it's better to have all your central nervous system dominant movement in, in training on one day. So the biggest stressors for your nervous system, have it all on one day and then do your low intensity cardio on another day um, versus having um, high intensity metabolic energy system working through your strength training and then the next day you do high intensity cardio then the next day you're doing strength again it's just you're basically hammering your nervous system every day so i really like kind of balancing it out um now if you have an even split like if you're doing four days a week of lifting i still think it's fine to do a day of high intensity conditioning and then a day of low intensity uh aerobic conditioning um how often is completely dependent on the person so how often depends on your goals and it depends on your stressors um, and it depends on your diet. So if we're chasing fat loss, we can do none and just do neat and target your fat loss through your, your diet. But if you like to eat and you'd better adhere to cardio, then we're going to do some cardio. Um, I try not to do too much because I think too much is just going to stress you out regardless. Uh, so I find better results with less cardio, more focus on the diet and sleep for fat loss. But um, so how often is kind of depend on the person and which type of cardio do you suggest for supplementing your strength worth? It depends on the person too. Um, ideally, I prefer like low intensity walking over almost anything. It's the lowest impact. It's the best for recovery. It's the most restorative. It's the, the lowest stress demand and it just burns straight fat, burns calories. It's really easy. It's really good on you. Um, when we start going into high intensity modalities, I'm a big fan of the sled and the assault bike because there's little to no eccentric loading whatsoever. Therefore, it's easy on the joints. It creates less muscle damage, even though it feels like it's burning like crazy, which is also going to promote more muscle growth because you're actually accumulating lactic acid and that acidosis process um, metabolites accumulating. There is actually a link to that in muscle growth itself. Um, so I'm going to go with those most often. And then you had a second question. You said, how can someone enhance nervous system recovery? Your body itself is recovering well from your training volume and intensity, but your nervous system isn't. How would you measure the recovery of your nervous system besides overall well-being and HRV? So I answered this a little bit in the last Q&A, so definitely go check that out because I went in more detail there. But what I would say is this, like if your nervous system isn't recovering, but your muscles feel like they are, 
you're just not recovering from your training period. So this, ha- this happens pretty often in CrossFit because CrossFit isn't as uh, fatiguing on the muscular system for sometimes, um, as bodybuilding is because there's more stress placed on the muscles inside of bodybuilding. However, there's more stress on the nervous system than there is, uh, in, in CrossFit than there is in bodybuilding. And I think the biggest problem with this is you can't directly feel or see your nervous system being harmed. Therefore you go too far without fixing it. And I see this all the time where people, feel like they're crushing it in their CrossFit workouts. They feel great. They're performing well. They're scoring high on their wads. Everything's great. Why do I feel like shit? Why uh, am all of a sudden I'm overly stressed, depressed, moody? Why am I all of a sudden gaining fat? Why am I not sleeping? I'm tired and wired all of a sudden. Well, this is why. You've just smashed your nervous system into the floor and your muscles are fine so you don't feel like your muscles are hurting. You don't feel like you're in a uh, in a bad place. So my recommendation is to track on a scale of like 1 to 5 or 1 to 10 your mood and mental motivation on a daily basis. And if you start seeing that decline, you need to pull back the intensity of your cardio. That's the best way to monitor your HRV um, and to monitor your nervous system. Um, Mental motivation to go to the gym and your overall mood are the two biggest indicators. And when those two decline, it gives us a big sign that a deload is needed and or in general, your nervous system is starting to be affected negatively. And then if you have this issue, if you have this worry, or if you feel like this is already happening to you, invest in something like Whoop or BioForce HRV or an Aura Ring to make sure you're getting enough sleep because that's going to be the biggest promoter of avoiding this. And then also it's going to give you the red light or green light as to whether you should go hard in the gym. So it'll stop you from damaging yourself even further. Um, so that, yeah, I think that's the best, the best route to go. James Cross, how often do you program speed work into your programs? So this is all dependent on the person. Um, typically, I will go with either a weekly or I'm sorry, a daily undulated periodization model or a weekly undulated periodization model. So daily undulated periodization being um, every week we're alternating basically intensities. You can do that by shifting through three different intensities. So we can do like a, a strength day, a hypertrophy day, and a speed day. Or you can do it with just a strength day and a speed day, for example, like a conjugate method. Um, I like doing a conjugate method for anybody who wants pure strength. So if somebody comes to me and they're like, I don't really care about building muscle. If I add muscle, I'm happy. Um, I just want to stay lean and get strong. Let's say I'm probably going to do speed work every week. I think it's very valuable. Um, we'll do a upper lower split. One upper lower day is going to be strength dominant. So we're going to start with like low reps, maybe finish with some high reps being like eight, maybe 10. So a little bit of hypertrophy accessory work, but mainly just strength dominant max effort. And then one day is going to be a dynamic effort. And those days are going to be speed work and some more dynamic-based movements that just promote functional athleticism, quote-unquote, um, and different movement patterns. But I think that's totally fine. Now, for general population, if somebody's coming to me and they just want hypertrophy, they just want uh, fat loss, they just want general strength, um, quote-unquote, functional strength, quote-unquote, um, I'm probably going to go with a weekly undulated model um, or honestly none at all. Um, so I have some programs that I use a weekly undulated model where we'll go upper lower split or like an upper lower push pull legs and it goes, so there's two ways to do this. The upper lower push pull legs would be somebody that comes to me and they're like, Hey, alls I really give a shit about is hypertrophy. I want to get as jacked as possible. I still think there's value in doing pure strength because you need to build strength to get bigger. And there's also value in speed work because you need to develop the nervous system in order to get stronger and get bigger. So what I will do there is the first two days of the week are upper lower splits. In week one, we'll do strength. Week two, we'll do speed. Week three, we'll do strength. Week four, we'll do speed. And we'll alternate every week between strength and speed. This kind of programs in a slight deload. So you end up not having to deload nearly as often. So you could probably deload every eight weeks instead of every four. And you 
alternate between these. So it's a weekly undulated model. Now your push-pull legs of the week is always hypertrophy. So week one would be strength and hypertrophy. Week two would be speed and hypertrophy. Week three would be strength and hypertrophy again. And week four would be speed and hypertrophy again. Um, you're still doing some strength accessory work on the speed day, but your speed day is going to be speed bench, speed deads, push jerk, so on and so forth. Um, I really like, like for example, a uh, landmine split jerk. So it's explosive jerk, but you're doing it with a landmine. It's much safer than doing an overhead jerk um, with a foot barbell. Um, and it's single arm, so you get some unilateral work in there. The other way I like doing this is um, if somebody's more strength dominant and they want strength just as much as hypertrophy, I will also alternate the uh, – speed and hypertrophy while keeping the strength every week. And we'll do this on an upper lower split. So what this looks like, and this is how um, one of my programs in the lead is, is week one is an upper lower split. We have max effort day, so strength, and then repetition effort, so hypertrophy. Week two is going to be max effort strength and dynamic effort. So we're doing speed work with a little bit of hypertrophy at the end in the accessory. So we might still do some curls or some uh, upper back work and so on and so forth. But our compounds get shifted to speed work. So now we're doing strength and speed, strength and hypertrophy, strength speed, strength hypertrophy. Um, similar to a conjugate method, but every other week, instead of doing a dynamic effort day, we're doing a repetition effort day that's focused on hypertrophy. So those are the two ways I like to do it. So I pretty much am doing either weekly or biweekly. Um, for some people, if it's like uh, – I shouldn't say I never do it, but for some general population whose sole goal is fat loss, weight loss, like just general pop, we want to lose as much weight as possible because I'm, I'm obese or overweight or an elderly individual, I'm not doing speed days where we're doing band deadlifts and jerks and, and throws and shit like that, but I will still absolutely incorporate some speed work at the beginning as like a primer. So we'll keep it very similar, full body or conjugate style upper lower, whatever it is. But before we do any compounds, before we do any accessory, before we do anything of that day, after the warm-up, we're doing some kind of explosive work. And this is usually going to be a, a slam or a throw because they're the safest ones to do. But we're still doing some type of neurological explosive work because one of the things that taps out first with uh, elderly individuals is the nervous system, the neurological component in reaction time. One of the leading causes of death is falling and breaking your hip. So if we can limit that by stimulating the nervous system more often and training it to be more reactive, it's very helpful. There's no reason not to, and we're potentially saving their life in the future by doing some speed work. So I'll even do speed work with um, 60, 70, 80-year-olds that I worked with in the gym uh, just with med balls. Med balls are jam balls, right? And I think that's a good way to go about it too. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. 
I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.